0: Hello, my name is Dwayne Spearman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to encourage, disciple, and challenge the people of God. Um, Lately, we have been working our way through the book of Daniel. And uh, last time we were together, we looked at Daniel chapter number 9, verses 24 through 25. So, just want to remind you that all of these studies can be found at our our Directional Ministries page. Um, You can go directly there at dwaynespearman.org. All of the, <clears throat> the text of the studies is there. The audio studies are placed there as well through SoundCloud. And you can download that app to your phone to listen to it. Also, they are automatically uploaded to Apple Podcasts. So you can get them there. You can subscribe through your iPhone as well. Uh, and then also the videos are placed not only on YouTube, but now they're also being placed on Rumble. So if you want to check them out on Rumble there. Um, and I do have a Directional Bible Ministries page on both YouTube and on MeWe. So if you want to um, join us over there as well, either on MeWe or um, uh, Facebook. Uh, then also remember that uh, the book is out. And um uh, You can get that in Kindle format, or you can get that in paperback. Uh, You can see there, it's 250 pages long, and it is a verse-by-verse study through the Book of Acts. And again, it's from a mid-Acts perspective. I've had several of my students order it, and uh, even fellow pastors. And um, um, I just have to remind them that it is from a mid-Acts perspective perspective. And of course, that means that the church was not born in Acts 2, uh, but in the middle of Acts. So I make a case for that in in the book of Acts and mid-Acts perspective. So appreciate those of you that checked that out. Uh, today, what we're going to do, I haven't been in front of the mic for quite a while. I was up in Ohio pretty much all this week, Um, went up there on Monday, dumped 14 inches snow Monday night. (laughs) So I was traversing through the snow in Ohio through Thursday. And uh, so anyway, just been on the road, been traveling, haven't done a lot of um, uh, podcasting or recording, if you will. So we'll pick up today. Uh, Last time we were together, we were looking at uh, Daniel 9, 24. And of course, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city. Of course, that's referring to Jerusalem. And during those uh, 70 weeks or 490 years, I'm going to finish transgression. I'm going to make an end of sin, and I'm going to make reconciliation for iniquity. And as we discussed, that was done at the first advent. Uh, um, Christ made reconciliation. Understand, it wasn't enough for him just to forgive us of our sins, but he had to make reconciliation. Uh, We we had to be reconciled back to God the Father, and today we preach uh, the gospel of reconciliation, which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, We have or are called to a ministry of reconciliation. We are reconciling, through the preaching of the gospel, um, the reconciliation of man back to God. And that happened at the first advent. And then we explained, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, that has not happened, sealing up vision and prophecy, uh, that had not happened, and to anoint the most holy. These things will happen at the second advent, when Christ comes again. Now, understand, Daniel didn't know that. Daniel, in his mind, being a dispensational thinker, as were the apostles, and I have a study on uh, the apostles were dispensational. They believed that everything was going to happen one after the other. Um, the Messiah would come. He would do all six of these things on his in his first advent. They saw no... Um, they saw no church. They saw no dispensation of the grace. They saw no postponement. They did not even perceive of the, conceive of the fact that the nation of Israel would reject their Messiah. Um, so these things happened at the first advent, the first three, the second three will happen at the second advent. And then verse 25, know therefore and understand. That from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build the walls of Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall come, will be seven weeks and three score and two weeks. We did all the math there, and uh, of course we know that, uh, that <clears throat> this happened uh, when the Messiah came. We looked at uh, Sir Robert Anderson's studies in regards to when the going forth of the commandment came. It came in 445 B.C., uh, and we know we can even narrow that down to March 14th, 445 B.C. So this prophecy is saying that from the going forth of the commandment to build the walls, the Messiah will come in 69 weeks or 483 years. Um, And we talked about that. It was fulfilled to the day. Uh, And again, we're talking about 490 years total. So from the going forth of the commandment until the walls were rebuilt, or from the going forth of the commandment for the walls to be rebuilt until the Messiah would come would be 483 years. And we know that 483 years later, Jesus Christ did his triumphal entry. And we talked about all these prophecies here in this math, and I would encourage you to go back and look at that. We're not going to review all that. But what does it mean, and the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times? Now notice the last part of verse 25. The street will be built again, the wall, even in troublous times. This speaks of the rebuilding of Jerusalem by Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter number 2. That is when the commandment went forth to restore and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it will be done during troublous times. And if we study uh, Nehemiah, we see how much trouble they had rebuilding the walls as they were commanded to do so by Cyrus from the people around them. How they plotted, how they cooed, how they had to work with weapons, a weapon in one hand and 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 a tool in the other hand. Uh, it was rebuilt during troublous times. So read Ezra and Nehemiah. It talks about that. The wall was rebuilt during troublous times. And then notice verse 26. And after three score and two weeks shall the Messiah be cut off. So after 483 years, the Messiah will be cut off. But not for himself. And the people, the prince that shall come... And destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and the end of the war desolations are determined. So, in this verse, it's saying that after the 62 weeks, or the 400, the, the three score and two weeks, okay, which is like we did the math up here, um, right here, um, it's, it's 69 years. Are 69 weeks, which would be 69 times 7, which is 483 years. So, after those 483 years, after this Messiah comes, he's going to be cut off. Now, what is that talking about? That's talking about the crucifixion of the Messiah. He would be cut off, he would be rejected, he would be crucified. You remember as Jesus, on that triumphal entry, uh, on that very day that was prophesied, um, as he was coming through the eastern gate, um, they began uh, to say, Hosanna. They began to throw palm leaves. But that same crowd, later, would begin to scream, crucify him, crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our descendants. That same fickle, feckle crowd would cry, crucify him. So as Jesus entered that eastern gate, and we know by the dating that he entered that eastern gate on April the 6th, 32 AD, as prophesied by Daniel, as he came through that gate, they they Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And yet, a few days later, that same crowd, Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? Then all they say, and all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. And when Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water, he washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. And the people answered and said, his blood be upon us and upon our children. So, this verse speaks of that. This verse prophesies the crucifixion, that the Messiah would be cut off, but not for himself. In other words, his crucifixion wasn't for himself. John 316For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so he was cut off not for himself but for us. Uh, Matthew 26 39. And he went a little further, and he fell on his face and said, O Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He knew what he was walking into. He knew that he was going to be offered up as the sacrificial lamb. He knew that he would be chosen. He would be the sacrifice for, he would be the burnt offering for the nation of Israel. He knew that going into it. And Daniel prophesied of that, that the Messiah would be cut off 483 years later. And he was. And then notice this part. And the people of the prince that shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. So, obviously, this prince here is not referring to the Messiah. This is referring to something else. This is referring to somebody else. Um, The uh, book I referred to by Robert Anderson is called The Coming Prince. But it's not referring to this prince, okay? It is referring to the Messiah, okay? Um, So he says here, who is the people of the prince who is to come? You see, there's a difference between the word prince or anointed one in verse number 25, you see there, to restore and rebuild or build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, there's a difference between this prince and this prince. It's not talking about the same person. Um, this prince, we know that in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus Vespasian came in and leveled the city, he destroyed the city and the sanctuary. We know that this happened. After they had cut off their Messiah, the prince came and he destroyed the city and the sanctuary. An interesting note has his was none other than his, his, this was none other than his, his, his uh, how shall I say this? Uh, let me just read it. An interesting note, his was none other than Vespasian, who was crowned emperor of Rome just prior to Titus. So it's referring to his father. His father was Vespasian, who had been crowned emperor of Rome just prior to Titus Vespasian enter into Jerusalem, thus making him a prince. So Titus Vespasian was indeed an earthly prince because his father had been crowned emperor of Rome just prior to Titus entering to Jerusalem and therefore fulfilling this prophecy. And notice, And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And he did this. This prophecy was first delivered here in Daniel. It was reiterated by Jesus in the book of Luke and it was fulfilled in 70 A.D. by Titus. Remember, Jesus said in Luke 19:41, And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the very day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Jesus, why was he using that word day? I believe he was referring to the prophecy of Daniel. You should have known, based upon the prophecies of Daniel, that this is your day. This was it. But now it is hid from your eyes. And we know they crucified him. And then in 70 AD, um, Titus came in. Uh, it's interesting the history of the invasion of Jerusalem by Titus. There's a there's a lot of uh, things. Jesus, for example, said in Luke 19:41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, and he said, If you had known this that belonged to you, but now it's hid from your eyes. For the days will come upon you, and the time that your enemies will cast a trench about thee, encompass thee, or circle you round about and keep thee on every side, in other words, they laid siege to the city, and shall lay thee even with the ground. Jesus was prophesying about what would happen when Titus Vespasian came. And notice, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Why? Because you knew not the the time of your visitation. And we know that Titus Vespasian, historically told the invading soldiers to leave the temple alone because the temple in Jerusalem had just uncalculable amounts of gold and artifacts um, that he wanted to preserve. But we know that one of the soldiers uh, threw a torch. Somehow the temple caught on fire. And all of the gold, all the gold inlaid walls began to melt as a result of the tremendous amount of heat. And that gold began to run down and to seep into the bricks and the mortar of the temple. And in their greed, the soldiers to get to the gold began to pry each stone apart to get to the gold, thus fulfilling Exactly what Jesus said when he said, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another. And then finally notice it says, and the end of the war desolations are determined. The end of the nation came as the Jews were dispersed. So in the end will be with a flood and the end war Desolation or war desolations are determined. The nation of Israel was scattered in 70 AD, and the nation remained scattered until 1948 when they were regathered, when the United Nations, um, Guatemala, uh, actually uh, cast the deciding vote, which uh, they are very proud of to this day. I live there. Um, That the nation of Israel would rejoin the nations again in 1948. Um, Another note of interest I have here the money that was raised in the sale of the gold that was in the temple in Jerusalem was used to pay for the Roman Colosseum that was built by Jewish slaves um amazing that the gold from their own temple was historically used to build the colosseum that would be used to torture the jewish people um There's so much I could say there. Anti-Semitism that has been around for centuries. The Roman Church, the Protestant Reformation Fathers, all were anti-Semitic for the most part. um, Because the Roman Church had been anti-Semitic. And to this day, we struggle with anti-Semitism, which is just an unnatural hatred of the Jewish people. And understand um, Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham and Japheth. Um, the follower, the, the descendants of Ham were Hamites who settled in southern or in the African continent. Uh, Japh- the, the, the sons are children of Japheth or Japhites or, or Europeans, Caucasians. Um, and then the sons of Shem, uh, which, is the word, which is where we get the word Semite. So to say you are anti-Semitic means you're against the sons of Shem, which is where the word anti-Semite comes from today. The Roman church was very anti-Semitic. Um, and those who came out of her were very anti-Semitic. Um, It's of the devil, for sure. Um, And I think I'll stop there. Next time we get together, uh, we're going to get down into verse number 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Who is the he? He. Well, it's not referring to a member of the deity or a member of the Godhead. It's referring to someone else that will confirm a covenant with many for one week. And how long is a week? It is seven years. Yes, it is speaking of the tribulation period. Remember, 490 years are determined for thy people. Sixty-nine of those weeks have been fulfilled with the crucifixion and the entrance of of Christ into Jerusalem and his crucifixion. But there's still a one last seven-year period. 490 minus 483 is seven years. There's still seven years that are yet determined for the nation of Israel. And we refer to that as Daniel's 70th week which is what the book of Revelation is all about. We'll talk about that next time. Well, God bless you guys. hope that you have a great day. Remember, it's Valentine's Day weekend. So (laughs) if you haven't gotten anything, I would encourage you to move now. (laughs) Remember that God loves you and He wants the best for you. And He is indeed working all things out for your good.